Hey folks, remember my recent sharing on Proverbs 12 verse 24 when I mentioned that most Proverbs describe two distinct pathways that individuals have the opportunity to choose and bear the fruit, the consequences are some of both. Remember that? Well, here we go again. Let's wrestle with Proverbs chapter 12 verse 23 now. Now for posterity, Proverbs 12 24 says, the diligent person will rule, but the slothful or lazy will become a slave. Now if you're wondering why I started this series by sharing about Proverbs 12 24 first instead of 12 23, well it was because I referenced the verse numbers incorrectly. I thought I was starting with the first of that pair first. Mistakes can happen, especially when you think you know what you're doing. And that's how most of us are, and you don't check. Now, as it turned out, though, dealing with the verses out of sequence provided some necessary wisdom to deal with Proverbs 12:24. Wisdom about how easy it is to make mistakes by believing that we're infallible. Hence the need for diligence. Eh? So forgive me for being out of order. Pun intended. The Proverbs 12.23 says, The shrewd person conceals knowledge, but foolish people publicize folly or their foolishness. Uh, give me a minute to do what I think is some helpful wordsmithing, then I shall proceed. The words shrewd and wise, they're synonymous, but shrewd refers to a practical, hard-headed intelligence. So that's a special kind of wisdom. I think of it as wisdom earned through lessons learned, from getting knocked around a little bit. Now the word conceal means to prevent from being seen. Now if you will, please allow me this one analogy. You do not conceal wealth to never use and never enjoy it. Rather, you conceal wealth to use it wisely and appropriately. Now, if you're thinking along with me, you have perhaps been taught that wealth is knowledge. I've been taught that, and that knowledge is wealth. So, sounds like we're done unpacking this thing, right? You just hold your knowledge until the right time, and you express it in the right way. Our meeting is over. Let's go get something to eat. Slow down, son. When is the right time? And what, pray tell, is the right way? Anytime we start talking and thinking about right, we're probably about to do something strong and wrong. 
Truth is, you can think the time is right and still profess something that blows up in your face. Trust me, I have done this more times than I can count. Made quite a mess. Some of the messes did not get cleaned up in real time. To the contrary, the lessons and learning took place well after the fact and had to be applied to subsequent experiences. Had to take an L. So let me take some time and reflect on places I've been and some messes that I've made. And let's talk about cleaning up the messes. Then does me once more by allowing me to share a quote that captures at least some of the wisdom in Proverbs 12, 23. Now the quote goes, those who tell don't know and those who know don't tell. Now I've gotten into and out of a lot of trouble by applying and misapplying that very quote. Now I've also missed more than a few opportunities in my life by not speaking up, speaking out, but I digress. Thank God for mercy and growth. There are lots of directions to take here in what I want to layout. Marriage and parenting and mentoring, both as a student and teacher, all provide a wealth of examples on sharing knowledge at the right or wrong time. We'll, we'll save these subjects for a future episode. Trust me, it's not the right time for those. Let me focus instead on sharing two imperfect stories from my entrepreneurship and partnership building efforts. Now the entrepreneurial story will sound straightforward because I'm going to tell you one that I think I got right, that I emerged victorious in only because it followed some situations that I jacked up. Now, it happened many years ago at a simpler time in my life. I've had many years to digest and understand the experience. Now, the partnership building effort that I'll talk about afterwards, that one's got a lot of layers and nuances to understand. Now, I'm still learning and growing with this one. So work with me. All right, time for the first story. We're going to call this Car Stereo Auction. Now look, I love auctions. I love buying and selling in general. Love it. Now, I used to go to a lot of live auctions, the in-person kind with the auction caller and saying, those kinds of auctions. Now, I once attended one that liquidated a bunch of Sony car stereos including several of the fancy trunk-mounted 10-disc CD players, the changers, that had just come out. This was 1997, man, over 20 years ago, when I was a grad student at Georgia Tech. Now, this particular auction house allowed inspections one hour before the auction started. Rained hard that morning. So I got to the inspection 
first. I was alone. I'm thinking, oh, this is good. I got to take each CD changer out of the box, check them all very carefully. Now, I had only recently gotten home internet access, and it was nothing to write home about. It was very slow. I didn't have a cell phone. So this type of on-site, online research that they do nowadays didn't have that option back then. I had this old Crutchfield stereo catalog they used to send in the mail. I had that curled up in my back pocket. And this was the only reference that I had, but it was all that I needed. Because I looked up enough to understand that these CD changes were a gold mine. Yes, indeed. So I went over to the payphone. The payphone started calling my classmates who I knew loved music. At 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm calling them. I knew their phone numbers by heart. And I always carried quarters. Now, keep in mind, my game is tight today because it wasn't tight in situations prior. <laughs> I'll tell you a story one day about why I carried the quarters. But bottom line is, I used to always have quarters in my pocket, pens in my pocket, something to write on, something to write with. That's just that's what I did. So anyway, I found three other customers. I might have made five phone calls. Found three customers besides me. Hey, man, get me a CD changer, and I will buy it from you for this price. Bam. I'm playing with house money now. And the auction is going to start in a few minutes. And now folks are taking quick glances at the items that I just spent the last hour inspecting because they didn't come out in the rain. Now I wore scullies, sweater caps, to auctions because nobody else did. There weren't many people at auctions that looked like me, so nobody's going to have on a sweater cap. Now, my caps always had colorful embroidery that I used to get done at the Beaufort Highway Flea Market for a nice low price to distinguish yourself. You got a hat that cost a dollar, you put a little logo on it, four bucks, and now you got something nice. I stand behind everybody at auctions so they can't see me. But I go and meet the auctioneer first. And I tell them, hey, we'll be in the back. This makes them look for you once the bidding starts. I saw somebody else do that. So I said, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make myself known. Now, I'm quiet by nature, so I don't shout my bids and get all excited. I mean, there's a whole psychology to auctioneering where they're trying to get your blood pumping and get you all excited because then you don't think. You just start buying stuff. I, I, don't, I don't buy into all of that. I don't nod my head. I don't pull my ear while I'm sneezing. I don't do all that. I'm subtle. I do something like put my hands in my pocket. You can't see that. Put my hands in my pocket or I'll take my hands out of my pocket. I'll rotate the logo on my little scully. That's how I used to be. It worked. That's how I conceal knowledge and then reveal it at the right time. Now, the CD changes were up for bid first. You know, I've been here a long time already. I'm kind of ready to go. 
This was a modified Yankee auction. So that means when I win the bid, I get to declare the number of items I want at that price. Now there were five CD changes. I won. I said, give me all five. So I'm done. I go pay for my stuff, pick it up, and I notice this dude following me. And he's a big dude. Doesn't look like the type of dude that I would be hanging out with. So he approached me, asked me if I would sell him a CD player. And I'm like, nah, but I'll take your number. And if things don't work out with the folks that I bought these for, I'll call you. I got an extra quarter. Now, I sold all the CD players that weekend. And man, back, back in those days, that kind of extra cash was very important during the grad school days where all the dollars hollers. <laughs> Whew, brief epilogue now. Diligence generated the knowledge that gave me an incredible advantage that day. Because I managed to keep that knowledge concealed until the right time. Diligence and concealed knowledge let me rule that day. I'll say it again. Like I said, this story was pretty straightforward. And maybe the next one won't be quite as straightforward, but it will be shorter. It's a shorter story. So let's go. Story two. Let's call this one a special set of skills. I have a special set of skills acquired over a long career that have helped me build and chase my dreams. Now, they've also made me a target for some special treatment and mistreatment from friends, foes, and fans. Here's the best way to describe the treatment. Once I share or display a skill or talent that I hope reveals both my essence and function to people I respect and want to work with, I am often then turned into the lowest possible level of that function. Now the essence part is Ignore it. This is textbook marginalization. I didn't always know that. But it has happened in so many different ways with so many different people, even people I respect and love. I had to understand that it was a problem. You know, not an accident, not a trend. It's a problem, y'all. Let me explain. I listen well, very well. I take lots of notes during meetings. Now this is drawing lots of comments, man. I'm talking for over 30 years. And every instance, every time somebody says something about me taking notes, man, it's like Groundhog Day. I'm like, would y'all leave me alone? Now these comments have led to multiple awards, rewards, of being assigned the duty of taking notes for a group. No, thank you. This has happened to me more than twice, man. Please believe. All right, 
I'm also computer literate, very computer literate, and skilled at repair and troubleshooting. So I have been assigned often the responsibility of resolving the group's frustration with their computer woes for free, of course for free, and more than twice. I'm good at buying. Remember earlier, I'm all about buying and selling, but I'm really good at buying or procurement and logistics. So guess who gets to make all the intricate purchases or arrange the office move or even the office shipping? Guess who's been asked to do that more than twice? I'm killing myself here. I'm also adept at the analysis and synthesis of information. So I get asked to make the pie charts. I get asked to aggregate the survey responses. Again, these things have happened to me more than twice. I'm a precise and articulate speaker, writer, and storyteller. So I get asked to write and videotape a lot of speeches. Enough examples, man. I have. I've made my point. No more ado. Game recognizes game, y'all. So I've been forced to learn how to say no to this kind of treatment. This false sense of honor. Sometimes by confronting it directly, and at other times by learning how to avoid it altogether, but to do so with some couth and balance. Now this is very tricky, sometimes sticky territory. Because here's what you're balancing. You're balancing quotes like, those who tell do not know, those who know do not tell, with, hey, teach them how to treat you. With, opportunities are often disguised as work with the diligent shall rule and the lazy shall be enslaved with the shrewd person conceals knowledge but foolish people publicize folly or their foolishness in other words balancing my holy common sense and street smarts with god's infallible word balancing all of that and identifying the boundary of truth that provides me balance and protection. So here's what I've learned. My diligence generates my wealth, my knowledge. Now for this diligence to help me rule, like the proverb says, I have to respond to opportunities, I have to, which are often disguised as work, that are controlled by someone else. Now I must proceed by offering my skills and knowledge carefully in context, that is, in a sincere attempt to help solve a problem, not just knowing for the sake of knowing and showing off, and in humility and most of all, moderation.
gotta know when to hold them. Gotta know when to fold them. Now, submitting yourself in service is humble, but it's also humbling, but it's also very strategic. Why? Man, this approach will show and reveal character. Whose? Well, both my character and the character of my potential partner. Folk will show you who they are when you bow down to them. Oh, yes. Because if you bow down and they step on you, as soon as you get up and get that footprint off your back, you might want to leave that alone. That also reveals care, concern, respect, and synergy, or the complete lack thereof. The degree of my rule via my skills and knowledge depends directly on how well I conceal and reveal knowledge. How nimble and ardent I am in knowing and showing and when I do it and I don't do it because look y'all everything I know can and will be used against me by all the folks that I should not be fooling with in the first place and you gotta be in it to win it but man try not to learn the same lesson more than twice Capisce? Say love.